Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. As if we didn't have enough to talk about on the Mass and All Access podcast, another piece of news hits the fan. Somebody complaining about Juan Soto's age. We got the Nats in the middle of an important divisional series against the Braves at Nats Park. You got Bryce Harper and his defensive concerns. There are a lot of storylines to get to. Welcome to the Mass and All Access podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco. Bobby, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Paul. I mean, it's... <laughs> You think you would be able to just come in here today and talk about this, obviously this big series with the Braves, then this big yep. road trip coming up to Wrigley and St. Louis, and you're talking about on the field stuff. I mean, we do have on the field stuff to talk about, but obviously yesterday with the doubleheader, as if that weren't enough news, got to talk about a signing, got to talk about an injury, got to talk yep. about um, somebody in the opposing media criticizing not just are one of the Nationals' best young players, but, you know, the organization in general, maybe. Um, and then also another star player looking a little lackadaisical in the field. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> you feel like, can we talk about the the, the, the playoff race for a second? Nope. Got to talk yeah. about other things first. I miss when the Nats were boring in 2017. The, you yeah, know, when, they, when were... they ran away with the division. Oh, let's just get to yep. October. Yep. <laughs> nope. Yeah, those not were the so, good not, old days. Not as easy this year. Yeah, uh, we got plenty to talk about. The Nats... Signing Greg Holland, what kind of impact he'll have. We'll touch on that later on the podcast. Kelvin Herrera leaving yesterday's game also with a shoulder tightness uh, in the midst of a very bad ninth inning. We got uh, Bryce Harper and his defense yesterday being a little lackadaisical, as he said, Bobby, getting to a ball that cost a run maybe. And we're also going to talk about Victor Robles because people are worried, not worried, but uh, thinking ahead. Is he going to have a spot on this team in the next few months. So we got plenty to talk about. We'll touch on it all on the podcast, but we got to start with the biggest national news for the national yesterday for the nationals yesterday. That would be Juan Soto and Joe Simpson, Joe Simpson, the Braves uh, color commentator, former player uh, going on the broadcast yesterday, talking about Juan Soto, the 19 year old and interesting conditional that he put at the beginning of this sentence. Take a listen. He is, if he's 19, he has certainly got his man growth. He is big and strong. So that coming from Fox Sports South, where the Braves have their broadcasts. If you were listening closely, you heard if. If Juan Soto is 19, he's big and strong. Also, Bobby, hilarious that he said man growth. Can we touch on that? Did That was weird choice of words, <laughs> um, especially when you're talking about a 19-year-old. Um, yeah, man yeah. growth is just never – don't put those ever yeah, together. I, I don't know what, what we're doing here, Mr. Simpson. Phrasing, um, yeah. Yeah, let's think of, you know, you said, boy, is he big. Boy, is he strong. Something like that, not man growth. Yeah. That's, that's something that a normal term you use on a, on a baseball broadcast or any public broadcast. No. This is this is a family-friendly environment. Yes. Let's, let's try to keep it PG. Yeah, but the most important part of that still has to be the fact that he said, if Juan Soto is 19 years old, it caused an uproar in the community, especially from Nationals fans. Bobby, you and I were sitting in the press box when a fan right below the press box was screaming upwards 
By the way, the broadcasters are a level above us, so probably doubtful Joe Simpson was able to hear it, but he was yelling. Uh, basically, to Joe Simpson, at one point he said, uh, hey, Juan Soto is 19, and you are too. Uh, yeah. All kinds of hilarious things that Joe Simpson made kind of for an awkward scene in the press box, but fans not happy, a lot of baseball writers not happy. It's not cool when you make an allegation like that casually that Juan Soto was lying about his age. Well, it's not only that. I mean, yeah, it's 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 taking a shot at a 19 year old kid. When how old is Joe Simpson right now? I mean, he's got to be an oh, right? adult man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, adult man. Yeah, he's born in 51. Okay, so he's almost 60. He's over in the 60s. 66. So what yeah. what are you doing criticizing a? A 19 year old kid and then not only that but then you're that's also a subtle shot at mike rizzo and his people yeah. who do scouting in the dominican republic and in the latin um the latin leagues and you know saying like oh they forged or they knew about you know it just gives it try and discredit mike rizzo in, in the nationals organization and you know what i gotta give credit to mike rizzo because the athletic yeah. had a story about him today he got uh, ken Res- ken rosenthal got some quotes from him and he came to his defense. Obviously, Rizzo went and spoke uh, to Joe Simpson in between the games yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard Mike Rizzo this morning on uh, 106.7 The Fence yeah. Sports Junkies, and he was just saying, "You know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to." He basically said, "I'm not going to deal with this. Like, I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to stick up for my players. Like, you know, you know, you're taking a shot at one of my best players. I'm not going to let that stand. Uh, Guy, give credit. You know, we could talk about." Mike Rizzo's signings and whether we like him or not, the trades he makes, you know, that's all fair game, but you can never ever estimate or underestimate how much this guy sticks up for his players and his club. He, he, he fights for them to the, to the end. Absolutely. And you've seen even this year, the Cardinals GM, Mike Gersh, oh, gotten a little bit of a controversy for not exactly sticking up for his players and, you know, suddenly calling somebody out in the public. You got to credit Mike Rizzo because I, I agree with you, Bobby. He, knows what to say. He always, It seems like he always says the right things. He always comes out in support of his players, and he handled it about as well as you could face-to-face. He didn't go on the radio between games. He didn't t- go on Twitter between games. I don't think he has a Twitter. He does and, not, but yeah. Uh, you know, he handled this the exact right way. He went right up to the booth and talked to him face-to-face. That is rare, frankly, in today's any any form of confrontation seems to always happen in public as opposed to behind closed doors. And he did it the exact right way. Talk to him. The quote uh, from, I believe, 1067 The Fan, you mentioned that interview. He said, I have nothing to do with social media, uh, but PR people, they alert me when things come up that I need to know about and they thought I needed to know about. Then I handled it. It took about 10 minutes. Uh, He also said that the comments were uninformed and unfortunate. So basically... I, I thought he said just about everything right in this situation. He handled the situation perfectly. A little bit of context, I think, is necessary, though, Bobby, when you talk about these Latin American players and their ages, because we know that this Nationals organization has not had a great track record with that, particularly uh, under the tenure of Jim Bowden several years ago uh, when it came to the 16-year-old prospect that was actually – a 20-year-old prospect, and a Carlos Alvarez who was pretending to be uh, Esmeline Smiley Gonzalez. So it has happened before, but as a plenty of baseball writers said after those comments yesterday by Joe Simpson, it doesn't happen anymore. Guys don't lie about their age. It's just not done. 
it's not done and it's just also so much harder to do like nowadays in social media and the internet like you can find out how old somebody is it's just so much harder like there's so much more digital paperwork as opposed to actual paperwork that can get like not misconstrued or lost yeah. whereas in the digital age it's just so hard to hide that or <laughs> or like forge that so it's like that's why it doesn't happen i mean it's just people are more honest about it because you know if you get caught you're screwed and it's easier to get caught now yeah um and you know, with that instance way back then, that was a different era. That was under a different management for the Nationals. This is not something that Mike Rizzo has, has implemented at all. Or, you know, he, he's a straight shooter. Um, and you got to love how he defended. And to be a fly on the wall when he went to yeah. Joe Simpson. Oh, my God. Like, that would have been great. Because, you know, obviously Mike Rizzo is going to tell the media, like, this is what I say. It'd be very cordial. But I, you got to think that Mike Rizzo kind of gave it to Joe yeah. Simpson a little bit. Man. Like, don't you ever talk about my play yeah. like that ever again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, Mike Rizzo stands up for his players like he should. I mean, this is a classic Mike Rizzo, though, because we we saw this last week. You know, he he handles things in like the stereotypical like a man form, you know, face to face confront. You know, he's not afraid of confrontation. He, the whole Sean Kelly. Thing, yeah. Him and Davey Martinez had a face to face conversation and meeting with him after Sean Kelly threw his glove on the ground and they gave him their decision and then went with yeah. it. You know, it wasn't. You know, hiding behind Dave Martinez. It wasn't hiding, you know, behind the camera or the microphone. He went to Sean Kelly first and foremost that night, told him what they're going to do, and then spoke about it to the public and the press the next day. Yeah. Uh, you could say, Bobby, that Mike Rizzo has his man growth, uh, you know, yes, with the way yes. that he treats yes. things. Yes. Much um, like Monsoto does, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Uh, I under, I mean, look, Joe Simpson was not wrong in one area. Juan Soto is very big and strong. I will agree with that. He is, for 19 years old, he's pretty large. He's pretty jacked. Uh, but that doesn't mean that yes, he's lying yes. about his age. Uh, and especially this I mean, organization, uh, you'd think that they would not make the same mistake that got several people, including their general manager, fired. Right, right. And with the history track record, hey, I encourage Joe Simpson next, you know, today or tomorrow, you know, there's two more games left. Take the time, go to the Nationals clubhouse during media availability yeah. for the game. Just look at Juan Soto when he walks <laughs> in because, you know, when he walks in with in jeans and a T-shirt and his backpack, he looks like a 19-year-old kid. It looks like he should be going to class as opposed to a baseball game. It's when he suits up. That's when he looks, oh, my God, that kid is so pissed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Also, <laughs> I thought you were going to say he should apologize, which you can make a case that he Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, I mean – if. If Joe Simpson has his man growth, he should go do that too. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I, you know what? It's This is, you know, we can talk about it right now and then let's just forget about it because there's way more important things yeah. to talk about with this Nationals club. Uh, but the last thing I'll say is that I think Joe Simpson is a little butt hurt because in nine years playing the major leagues, he had nine home runs. Once it already has 14. Which is something that the fan right below the press box brought up on numerous occasions. And that's why I looked it up <laughs> because he kept screaming. It's like, how many home runs did you have? How many home runs did you have? It was nine. It was eight over nine. No, nine over nine years. You, nine you over averaged nine one home run. You averaged one home run per season. And Juan Soto has played about half a season, and he's got fourteen. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a little stinging. Uh, one more thing I do want to mention about Joe Simpson before we finally finish and move on to the important baseball topics of the day. Joe Simpson is the same guy who you may remember back in uh, I don't know a month ago. He had that issue on air where he called out the Dodgers players for not being yes. properly dressed during batting practice, which I tweeted about it. Check my Twitter. Uh, he said he was calling out at Paul Mankind. At Paul, he was looking at 
watching B-roll of Dodgers batting practice and was saying, these guys are wearing T-shirts. They're not, you know, the fans come to the game. They can't even under, they don't even recognize their own players. So many things wrong with this. Uh, he was calling out Chase Utley, who was wearing a K cancer T-shirt, by the way. So, you know, a great cause. Uh, all, I don't know if yeah. you know. Yeah, only, only, only one of the best things that MLB does off the field. Yeah, yep. Uh, I don't know if he knows, but uh, it's most common, actually, for uh, MLB players to wear T-shirts. That's usually their batting practice uniform is a T-shirt. Uh, and the only they never have their names on the back. The only numbers that they have are sometimes on the sleeve. And if fans can't recognize their own darn players, then that's not the players' fault. That's the league's fault. But that's that's a yeah, that, or that's the fa- or that's the fans' fault. Like yeah, you know, yeah. You for know being what your favorite players look like be, for being to quote Mike Rizzo uninformed and unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, my own question for Joe Simpson. Are we at the point in your broadcast career where did you feel the need to attack A, cancer, and B, 19 <laughs> Yeah, within a month. Within a month. Within, within a month. So if that's where we are, maybe this is more of a you situation than a cancer or 19-year-old situation. Yeah, let's stop talking about the guy who has nine Thank career God. home runs, though, and let's talk about somebody who has— That's why you should tune in to Bob and FP on Madison instead of whatever Fox Sports South gives There you, you go, exactly. Bob and FP, they, they know how to get it done. Uh, all right, let's talk about guys who actually have more than, you know, double-digit career home runs. Let's talk about Bryce Harper <laughs> uh, because I think that his uh, play last night in right field, he hit now doubleheader yesterday. He had a great first game, drove in some runs. Uh, crushed a line drive home run, looked great in the first game. His hitting is coming around in the second half. That's all well and good. And then in the second game, in the top of the ninth inning, it's a one-to-one game. Kelvin Herrera is on the mound. A double goes down the line. Looks like it's going to be a double. Maybe one run will score, giving the Braves a 2-1 lead. But instead, the ball hits the wall at a right angle. You should watch it if you haven't seen it yet. Bryce Harper is a little slow to get it. Uh, and the, the throw home comes in late. The runner goes to third, not on the throw. They say that's a triple, two-run score, and the Braves end up leading three to one, putting the Nats in a two-run hole in the bottom of the ninth. Bryce Harper was undoubtedly, I think if you watch that play, Bobby, lackadaisical mm-hmm. in retrieving that ball. Yeah, definitely, and it, it, it's a bummer because now obviously they ended up losing the game by two runs, and, and at one run, one run was going to score anyways, but the second one scored because Bryce couldn't get to the ball. But, you know, we went into that second game or halfway through that second game. We're thinking, OK, today's headlines are Nat sweep doubleheader. Bryce Harper and Ryan Zimmerman look great at the plate. Juan Soto continues to be hot and Max Scherzer pitch a dominant outing. So, you know, then all the top of the ninth comes and everything comes crashing down. Yeah. Kevin Herrera gets hurt, and then Bryce Harper does that. I mean, it's a tough read off that wall. Don't, I, mean, I think I pointed – I didn't go back and look at it, but from where we were watching, Paul, it looked like right where it hit, there's like, I guess, a little not padded area yeah. um, where I think like the ball girl sits mm-hmm. on the field. And she, obviously she got out of the way like she's supposed to, but it must have hit like the corner padding or maybe that wall and just ricocheted the wrong way out, which, okay, that's fair. Like, you know, you can have a misread, but the fact that once you realize you misread it, now you have to go get the ball yeah. and kind of jog to get it instead of like, oh, crap, I got to get the, like, you know, I went the wrong way. Yeah. Sprint to go get it. That was, I think, what people, fans and analysts are going to have a, a, an issue with. 
And Paul, we were talking about it last night after the game. Like, what what do you think was going through his head right there? Uh, it's it's tough to say. Obviously, we're not Bryce Harper. I don't know if he spoke about it after the game. Um, but yeah, it was an unfortunate little series of events right there for the Nats and Bryce. Davey Martinez said after the game, he he was not shifting any blame to Bryce Harper. He said that was just a perfectly hit ball and kind of got lucky with that bounce. Yeah, I understand that. It wasn't lucky. I mean, the ball landed like right inside yeah. the fair. Like it was what inches away from being foul, mm-hmm. and then obviously took a weird ricochet yeah. off the wall. So yes, bizarre play nonetheless, and we'll talk about another bizarre play later. But um, still, I mean, it's the hustle. I mean, it's you clearly could see the lack of hustle there, and that's what people. It's going to irk people. And it, to me, it wouldn't be nearly as big a deal if it wasn't symptomatic of a larger problem, and that would be Bryce Harper's defensive mishaps and dare I say decline in 2018 I don't know what it is but I looked up some stats defensively these coming from fan graphs defensive run saved is typically a pretty good defensive metric to judge a position player uh like the defensive metric right yeah you could say for those who for those who don't know Uh, I mean I I I don't really get to say metric but I'm assuming that's like (laughs) that's like probably like the war of I mean, there, I know there's defensive war, but that's like probably like the main defensive metric yeah. you would say. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, so in his career, Bryce Harper has typically been a plus defender, as they say. He's typically had that number a few right around zero, usually above zero. Uh, that defensive run saved, which means he's playing above average defense. Uh, he peaked out at 14 his rookie year, which you know he was just trying his hardest. He was. Bryce Harper was a machine his rookie year. He was lightning fast and all that stuff. Uh, but he's typically had a positive number. In 2016, he was negative three, which isn't too bad. Last year, he was four defensive runs saved, which is good. This year, Bobby, he is negative 13. Negative 13 on the season. He's only had one other season, as mentioned, the 2016 season, where he's had negative defensive runs saved. I don't know what it is, whether it's he's, he's definitely slower out there whether it's the fact that he's playing more center field, whether it's the fact that he's becoming a free agent and doesn't want to get hurt and miss out on some money. But Bryce Harper is undoubtedly worse defensively this season. Yeah, and I think that this is what we touched on last night when we were talking about it and uh, preparing for the show. It's, it's a combination of those two main points you just pointed out. I think he's definitely bigger and he's definitely slower. There's no doubt about that. I mean – go back and look at the tape you know even from his mvp season he's so much bigger now which obviously is good because he matches baseball yeah um but you know with that comes a little slower you know you you know you probably don't work on your your agility and your speed like your direct speed as much as you do your weight lifting or in, and your endurance um so he doesn't have that jolt anymore that's why he plays right field for the most part um and then also you know i think it's hard as a base or any athlete to not think of your future, especially in a, a, a pending free agent. Even, yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's always going to be back of your mind. You know, he can say uh, he doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to focus on baseball. Yada, yada. It's only human to think about it. So can't really blame him for that. But at the same time, I, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, it's a team sport. It's hard to justify putting yourself in front of the team. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's a family man now, you know, he's got a wife to take care of. I'm sure, you know, the, you know, he's got his other family members to think of his own livelihood to think about. So, yes, he's looking for that that paycheck coming in this off season. Then he's got to take care of his body. He knows that's how he makes his money. Um, but I, I still don't think that's a justification for lack of effort. You know, it's yeah. 
running after a baseball that's rolling on the ground. I think we can see, you know, all we were, all we were asking for there, even if the run scores, that's fine. It's just show the effort, you know, right. Like, right. Show that you're, you're going to, you know, at least try to, to sprint to the ball and get out. So yeah, that's, it's tough. Um, I also think that going along with it, it's, you know, Bryce Harper, I guess for the most part of the last three years, He's been playing right field exclusively. This year, he's been thrusted into center field yeah. more often. He, he's um, played center field. I have it right here. Where the hell did he go? It's, uh, 20, in 29 games, and that's way more than he has, at least since you know his rookie year or even 2013 maybe. Right. So, you know, he's being shifted around a little bit. That could play a part in it. You know, you lose touch with the wall out there, or you're just not used to running after the ball like that and throwing it. I, I don't know how much... I don't know if there's a way to determine how much that actually affects him, but you know he, he has been kind of out of position more often this year than he has in recent yeah. years. And one thing I do want to clear up: we are just speculating as to whether he. Yes, you know, yes, we, yes. I mean, I don't know if he, you know, it's the the whole free agent thing. It's not like he's made comments about that in particular. No, no, we're no, just no. kind of putting two and two together and saying this could be because uh, he is an impending free agent. So we are speculating yeah. there, but. Um, and he's a guy with a with a, a long history of injuries, so it's like you know. Yeah, exactly. That has to weigh on you too. Most recently, his knee last season at the very end of the year last year, which is definitely yeah. going to slow you down. I don't know about long term, but definitely in the God short term. God forbid you s- try to make a cut there and slip and do something to that yeah. knee. Um, also, Bobby, if I may debunk that whole thing with center field, if you look at the defensive metrics in right field, you take center field out of the the equation here and you just look at him playing right field he's still negative 13 in right field defensively so that's that's only looking at him in a corner outfield uh or negative 11 sorry did i say 13 you said 13 negative 11 uh negative 13 is for the season negative 11 is him in right field well that's kind of no that kind of adds to my point is that because he's been out of that position so so often that he's not okay he loses you know as comfortable uh, or yeah he kind of loses touch with being in right field you know i would be interested to see what it was if he's been playing right field exclusively now if he's playing right field exclusively this whole season and it's negative 13 negative 11 whatever it is yeah that's that's definitely a larger issue but since he's been out of position for so long or not so long but so many times this this season you know you kind of lose touch with, you know take a short stop i mean i don't know look at manny machado he's one of the best players in the league obviously but you know what's the difference between him because he when he moved from third base to shortstop uh, a couple of times with the orioles a couple of years ago his defensive metrics went down a little a little bit because yeah. you know he just wasn't used to it yeah, absolutely. Uh, whatever the case may be, it's definitely concerning. Uh, and, yeah. you know, whether Bryce Harper sticks with the Nationals permanently in the future or whether he doesn't, it's something that is getting a lot of attention because, one, he's an imp- impending free agent and the talk is about his value. And two, team's not having a good year. So any kind of slippage in any you know, from any major players in any area is going to get extra attention. If this were happening in 2017, probably wouldn't get nearly as much attention because the fact that the Nats are running away with the division. But the fact that a lot of these games are really important down the stretch and the fact that they have underperformed and the fact that every run counts from now on, it puts extra pressure on you and defensive miscues like that get extra attention. Yeah, I mean they're chasing two teams now in the division, so you know it's it's 
it's put up or shut up time right yeah. now. We're we're in August. There's only so many more games left yeah. to play. We can talk about the schedule all you want, but you know when you're in, a, you're playing a second game of doubleheader, and your ace was on the mound, and you know you have a, a legit, really good chance to sweep and gain some serious ground in one day, and that kind of play happens. That's that's why it gets put under the microscope. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing let's talk about in that ninth inning would be uh, the fact that Kelvin Herrera. Left after retiring just one batter, gave up two runs on that one play, gave up three hits, his worst outing as a national. He did not look right for whatever reason out there, and Davey Martinez came to him uh, in the middle of the inning, took the ball from him, uh, and later it was revealed that Kelvin Herrera has some right shoulder tightness. He's getting an MRI today. We will find out the results. Uh Certainly not good for the guy who's kind of taken over the eighth inning. And while Sean Doolittle has been out, he's sort of been the, the de facto closer. But when Doolittle is in, Kelvin Herrera is your eighth inning guy. Uh, and to see him go down uh, potentially for a little bit of time, that's not good. That's not good when you need every game down the stretch. Yeah, eighth inning guy. He, he was the fill-in closer. He's a ninth inning. Yeah, guy. yeah. Well, um, well, well. With Doolittle's out, absolutely. But it, I mean, yeah, when yeah. Doolittle's well, Doolittle healthy, is, you know. Right, and, right. He moves back in to September. Day. You know, he's gonna. He's hopefully gonna be your eighth inning guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Paul gets looked at some numbers. I was interested to see. Obviously, the uh, Herrera hasn't been as good. Anyone can tell you that with the Nationals as he was with the Royals. Yeah. Um, he came to DC with a, a ERA around one, one Oh five. He had 14 saves and 27 appearances. His, uh, strikeout to walk ratio was at 11. Um, then in 19 appearances with the Nats, he's one and two ERA, almost five, four, seven, six. And his K to walk ratio is down to 1.88. Is it possible? Do you think that in the short amount of time he's been with the Nats, you know, I think there's also a mental side to it of, you know, he's only ever known the Royals and he gets traded away, so he's kind of out of his comfort zone. But is it possible in the in the limited amount of time he's been in D.C. that he's been a little overworked with the Nets? Potentially, and that's what And that's what caused this injury? So I, I looked at it, with the, again, in uh, 27 appearances with the Royals, mm-hmm. he only – he never pitched more than an inning. Okay. He only threw – he threw 20 plus pitches three times mm-hmm. and his, the most was 31 in his very last outing with the Royals. Yeah. And the 19 outings uh, with the Nats, he's pitched one and two thirds innings once. Yeah. And he's thrown 20 plus pitches nine different times. Wow. Uh, so Bobby, you are the stat uh, man today. You are, you are digging up these stats. Just in terms of him and his comfort zone and what he's used to be doing, it just, you know, could all in this short amount of time throwing a lot of pitches, going longer than he should have to or should want to. Uh, is it possible that that just kind of took a toll on his shoulder? And, that, and that's what's been one why he's struggled with the Nats and two why he got hurt. It's certainly a theory. Uh, it's, you know, tough to tell with for any certainty. And hopefully we get some clarity in today and then in the next few days as to. The you know how deep this injury goes, how maybe how long he's been suffering with it, and uh, you know how long he intend he hopes to you know when he hopes to return. Um, yeah, that's an that's an interesting theory, Bobby. He has certainly gotten a lot of work with the Nats, and it doesn't help the fact that they just traded away Brandon Kinsler to the Cubs at the deadline, and then a day later they end up DFAing. Um, one of their solid relievers in um, 
Sean Kelly. So uh, it doesn't help that you lose two of your bullpen guys. So you would, and obviously Doolittle's been injured. So yeah, he's had to, he's had to work a whole lot more. Right. So uh, that that was my other point. Like it's, it has sort of been necessary. It's been due to necessity as opposed to like, Hey, just throw him out there. You know, obviously we would never accuse Davey of doing that, but you know, he just had to use, he needed to use somebody. It had to be Herrera. Right. Um, And so, you know, it's just maybe just a bad timing situation or just the way things are going this season. And, you know, got a little overworked and his shoulder can just kind of, I guess, ached or cramped up, whatever. I don't know what a shoulder does, but he heard it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, <laughs> good call. Uh, yeah, But I'm no doctor. Hey, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we can confirm that, Bobby. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you, it's not good. But the fact that Herrera is out and mixed with the fact that Doolittle is still out and also the fact that they traded White Kanzler and they DFA John Kelly – means that one of their big relievers who they just signed and just made his first of Nationals appearance yesterday, that would be Greg Holland, might have to have a bigger role. Greg Holland made his first appearance as an at in game one of that doubleheader, struck out the side, walked one. He's had a disastrous season with the Cardinals ERA almost at eight. He's been a very solid, very solid reliever throughout his career, pitching for the Royals, pitching in a World Series. He's got plenty of closer experience. For whatever reason, he's bad, had a bad season. The Nats take a shot on him. You'd think it would be low risk. But at this point, Bobby, with all the guys on injured and all the guys that they lost, he might have to be in some high leverage situations. Oh, might is not the word. He definitely is going to be. He will. Because if Herrera's out for a extended period of time, we know Doolittle's out. It's him and Madsen back there now uh, to, for the eighth and ninth. It's so a lonely it's like, bullpen. What do you think they talk kind of, about during games? You know, we were at one point, yeah. At one point, where is everybody? Um, <laughs> well, at one point in the season, we're talking about this bullpen's almost too loaded, and now, yeah. and now it's like, where'd everybody go? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of a low risk. You know, you and Sarah Perlman mentioned it on um, um, Mass and Nationals Instagram and Twitter live videos yesterday uh, during, during the doubleheader. It's a low risk financial move for the Nats um and you know just test him out this guy has a track record he's a three-time all-star he has three seasons of 40 plus saves he's pitched well in the postseason and in high leverage situations two uh wild card games three world series games including a game seven yeah Uh, he he had a career two six era before the season with the Cardinals so this guy has a great track record and everyone knows he can play and pitch um it's just the matter can you get back to form you know he credited, uh, or Dave Martinez credited nerves a little bit. He struggled. He walked his first batter um, yesterday in his appearance uh, in in the seventh. But you know, with the six run lead, that's kind of when you want to use him. He featured his fastball, slider, curveball. His slider didn't really have the command for it. Only threw three of them for strikes, uh, and his fastball only topped out at ninety three, I believe. So he's still coming to form. But if he can catch that Greg Holland of old form, he he. He could pay dividends, and he's going to have to because with all these injuries to the bullpen, he's going to he's going to be needed. Absolutely, he will. Uh, everybody is going to be needed. All hands on deck uh, for the final two games of this series with the Braves, and for the final month and three quarters uh, of the season. It's going to be an interesting race down the stretch. Uh, both games happening with the Braves at home before um, in a couple weeks they take on the Phillies for a three game series at home. I believe I think it's at home first and then away. Not sure exactly. They have nine games left with the Phillies. 
uh, and only six, I think, after this series with the Braves. So they're going to have to make up some ground mighty quick at some point. Yeah, and before you even look to that, I mean, like, don't forget, still got to go to Chicago this weekend, still got to go to yes. St. Louis next week. So, I mean, it's, it doesn't get any easier for the Nets. Not at all. Not at all. Going to be interesting to watch uh, in the final stretch. Bobby, I, I don't have much else to talk about. Thanks, thanks for uh, hopping on here before you head down to Florida. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, taking a little trip real quick for the weekend. Um, glad we got to knock this out before I head out. Maybe, maybe one day we'll be able to be back in the studio together. Who knows? Oh, oh, maybe. Uh, I'd love to see your smiling face. Bob. Love to love to see you, Paul. <laughs> uh, it is the Mass and All Access podcast. Catch us on Twitter at Paul Mancano at Bobby underscore Blanco. Uh, listen to us on SoundCloud. Uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Be sure to rate and subscribe. No, is that a thing? No, just yes, at least rate, rate and rate, comment. Sub- and, and subscribe. subscribe. Yeah, and subscribe. Yes, you can. And spread the word. Tell all yes. your friends, all the Nats fans. Let all the Nats fans know where to find us. Exactly. Thanks, Bobby, and uh, thanks for listening.